Hey, Imani here. And Ellen. The Woke Mystics. Back with another episode. Yes, we are. And we're, um, we have a guest today. We have Shanetta McDonald with us. So we would love for you to um, introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us about the work that you do today. Yeah. I am Shanetta McDonald, as you mentioned, and I'm currently doing a lot of things, actually. <laughs> First and foremost, I guess I am the Southern California Director for Kikoko, a cannabis wellness company. I've been with them for a little over, or close to three years, excuse me. And I also am the founder of Motif, which is a space for women of color to share their stories. So I am juggling and balancing those two beautiful worlds <laughs> of the work that I do. Mm-hmm. A modern day artist, entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, yes. <laughs> like multiple no hats. <laughs> yeah. To like, to do many things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So what led you to this path of um, being in the cannabis industry, working with Kikoko and also um, to, sharing a platform for women of color to share their stories. Was this like, was there any monumental moment that was that really significantly impacted you to go on to this path to do this work? Yeah. So this will be a long answer. Uh, it's it's very it. layered. <laughs> My professional background is in PR. So I did public relations for about nine years before getting into the cannabis space, which still feels very weird to say because I still feel young, I'm 35. So but I had a whole career for almost 10 years and absolutely loved it for most of the time. And in 2016, I had interest in getting into the cannabis space. This was pre-Prop 64. So before cannabis was recreationally legalized in California. And so the, the industry is still a little bit of the wild, wild west, but back then it was even more... Um, obscure and really kind of interesting in the sense of like, I didn't know how to get in. I didn't know where to start. I didn't know if I should just apply for a job on LinkedIn. Like I just had no concept of what even working in the space looked like. And so in 2016, I started a new position, another position in PR, very employable. So I was like, okay, not happy here. I'll get another job. And I moved to a different company, had really great success there, was happy for quite a bit of time. And then I would say about a year and a half into that role, things just drastically changed at the company. Um, Leadership became really wonky and actually quite horrifying. (laughs) And I wanted to seek another opportunity, but at the time, I I didn't want to find just another PR job. I knew that, you know, yes, companies are different, but it was going to be the same type of show. And I figured, and which is still true for me today, that this is a skill that I'll always have. I still freelance. I'm good at it. Um, I got Motif and Vogue (laughs) and Vanity Fair, excuse me, by myself. Um, So I can still do those things, but I wanted just something different. And I set my sights again on getting into the cannabis space. The difference was it was after 2018. So Prop 4 had passed and I saw a glimmer of hope in, in what it looked like to potentially work in the space. At the time, I had a friend who worked in cannabis. She worked for a flower company. And I just reached out to her for advice and and you know some insight as to what should I do. And I started to network and go to more events. 
I actually was interviewed at her company that she worked for that didn't work out and it didn't get that role. But, um, you know, kind of taking a step back with all of this, I have been very blessed to have people in my life who help me with these things, right? And I'll share a little bit more about what that looks like. But um, one of my spiritual guides, she's always been helpful in telling me to write down and get very clear with what I want. So for any job, relationship, anything, you know, she was like, write it down. What do you want? And so coming into 2018, I just wrote it down. (laughs) I didn't know necessarily what the job would look like, uh, the company, the products, even what I wanted to do. Um, But the things that I asked for, that I asked the universe for, such as, you know, freedom in my work schedule, uh, working with amazing people. I wanted to do sales. Um, you know, I wanted to work in the space. So I got really clear on what those things look like. And in April of that year, I believe actually in March of that year, I applied on LinkedIn to <laughs> Kikoko. They had a, an open role for manager down in Southern California. They had no one down in this market. So I was the first employee for the company and went through a series of interviews and just had this beautiful feeling immediately of of just feeling at home with them, the work that they were doing. They were very different from any other cannabis company I had experienced at the time and and still are to this day, honestly. And I made a huge transition, a a big life transition, you know, and switched careers after PR or being in PR for just quite some time. He came on board to Kikoko and have been with them ever since. So I've been with them for about three years and it's been a wild ride because we are still a new company. Everyone in this space in California, if you think about it, is an entrepreneur, you know? So working amongst a ton of entrepreneurs where the regulations and the laws are still being formed, you know, it's been an interesting time to to just be at the, the ground level and at the forefront of it. And also exciting to be a Black woman, you know, in this space and, and to kind of see the inner workings and to see what's coming with things being, becoming so corporate, you know, fairly quickly. So that's Kikoko. And then Motif, that has been, you know, deeply on my heart for longer than I can imagine. So coming into the cannabis space, I, I wanted to just kind of immerse myself and meet new people and network and connect and be a part of the community. And a part of that was me thinking of joining some organizations in the community or groups, I would say. So there are some amazing groups who do really good work. Caninclusive is one of them, and they focus on inclusivity and, and diversity in the cannabis space. Um, and there's some smaller ones and, and, you know, some who really focus more on advocacy and expungement and things like that, such as the Glass Prisoners Project. Um, I didn't really find myself fitting in with any of the existing organizations or communities in the cannabis space. And I also kind of took a step back and said, hey, my life is, is heavily evolved around cannabis right now because I work in the space. I love the plant. But also, I am so much more than that. My story is so much more than that. And a part of my story is recovering from an eating disorder that I suffered from for years. I've been in recovery for my eating disorder for about seven and a half years. And I went the 12-step route of doing that. I had therapy. I had tried hypnosis. I had tried 
all of these things that I thought would cure me, using air quotes, and nothing essentially worked except for me literally hearing the stories of, of men and women who experienced the same troubles and obsessions and compulsions with food and body that I do. Um, so what I wanted to do was take that very specific model that some people hear of in recovery <laughs> of sharing your stories and take it out of that space and bring it to an audience that's really important to me, which is women of color. Um, I've always wanted to give back and do something with Black women and women of color for most of my life. I just never knew what that was. And this idea, I can't even really describe it, of what motif was before I knew what motif was, <laughs> started to come into my dreams. Um, I, I started to have dreams about two years ago of me just wandering and wandering, being lost, losing things and never finding them. And I didn't realize it until after I began to just work on motif that those dreams stopped. <laughs> you know, once I began to just figure out, okay, what, what could this be? I don't even know. And to reach out and ask for help and to start to put those building blocks together. So our mission is to share, excuse me, to, to support the healing, well-being and connection among women of color by sharing their stories and we do that through the Motif podcast, through writers who choose to share their art with us. And uh, it's been so fulfilling. It has been just really, really beautiful. And uh, it's, I'm grateful to have that, to have that over the past year that has been really tumultuous for all of us, as well as to still enjoy and love the work that I do with Keith Oprah. Beautiful. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. um, very, very uh, vulnerable and intimate story. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like it's always, <clears throat> those are our um, like turning points mm -hmm. of like what shoots us in the right direction, you know, like mm -hmm. looking through our own shadow work illuminates mm -hmm. our light. Um, so it's really beautiful to hear. And I also just love hearing how you were having dreams, like the universe was trying to give you this message. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. as soon as you started working on it, the dreams went away. They were like, okay, yeah. she got it. We can move yeah. on to something else now. <laughs> fascinating. Fascinating. <laughs> you kind of yeah. like the, a trendsetter in both industries in a way, because in one way, like being a black woman in the cannabis industry is still such a rarity behind the scenes. But then also the fact that you took a personal experience and then created a safe space around that. That's also a way of like leading a new way, a new way of being and a new path. So in both ways, it's very revolutionary. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things I don't think about it as I do the things that I do. Mm -hmm. I just love what I do. I exactly. am a person who just thrives off of feeling good and, and doing good work. I probably work too much and working on that. I just created a <laughs> for motif, like you have these days off, so you don't work all the time. But uh, I was in a dispensary in San Diego yesterday, actually, and I was leaving and the security guard was a black woman. And uh, I said, I was like, you know, what? I have to run to the car to get some more stuff to drop off on the vendor. You know, I'll, I'll be back. And she was like, oh, you're a rep. And I was like, yeah, I work for Kikoko. And she said, oh, man, she was like, you know, I don't see a lot of Black women doing this. And, you know, she was obviously a security guard at the dispensary. So she was in the space, but, you know, at a different level. And um, I was like, you're right. There aren't many of us at all. And, uh, you know, I just had like this five minute conversation with her about how hard it is to, to get in this space. And 
you know, as a security guard, I could just see she felt like she wasn't a part of the space. And she was like, you know, the only black people I see are like delivery drivers or like security guards like me. Um, and I was like, well, girl, keep trying. <laughs> I was like, keep trying. Like, you know, there, it may be specific to this market that you're in that it's a little bit challenging to get in the door, but uh, you know, I, I just had so much empathy for her because I could see in her face, she was like, I want to be a butt tender, you know? Um, and I was like, move around, do what you have to do. But there's definitely so much space in, in room in this industry. Um, it's just, it is challenging for sure though. I mean, yeah, because it, a lot of it comes down to access. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's the, the belief system just that you can do it, that you can have access. Yes. Yes. And then beyond the belief system that's in your own mind is then having like the right relationships to know how to access the space. And so when those aren't set up for a certain group of people mm-hmm. being, you know, BIPOC people, then there creates all of these challenges, you know, to get there. Some that are mental and some that are like actually um, very physical within yeah. the space. Um, we have to skip, I, I'm, I'm going to come back to our, our third question. Cause it seems like we're naturally leading into the next one. So, but I'm still going to get you on, on okay. number three, but, um, working for Kikoko, a cannabis brand as a woman of color, like what are the positive and negative impacts of the legalization of cannabis on the BIPOC community from your perspective, from where you are? Great question. I see mostly good. I would say the impacts are that black and brown people are still locked up in jail for cannabis crimes that, that like that until that is completely eradicated, then that will always be a problem in my eyes. Um, and also just the association of, you know, cannabis with black and brown people and the, the supposed harm that it has done, you know, um, the great things that this, industry has done for me and what I think I have brought to it is just myself, you know, um, my company that I work for, the reason why I felt so comfortable joining them was when I went to visit their headquarters up north, there was already two black people in the office, you know, and we're a small company. It had to be at that time, 25 employees. And there was a biracial woman and a black woman. And I was like, okay, hey, y'all, y'all already here. This is great. (laughs) Um, And so I have been, you know, I guess intrinsically encouraging myself or have just fallen into just being myself in this space. And I also think that comes with just me getting older in my career and getting older and understanding who I am, what I bring to the table, what my values are. But I think it is just so valuable when in any space we show up exactly as, as who we are, you know, um, given that, you know, you're professional and you can do your job and all of those things. But this is the, the point in my life at Kikoko where I just feel really comfortable with who I am as a black woman. And I don't feel like I have to change myself, wear my hair a certain way, speak a certain way, be something that I am not. And I think it's really important in this space because it will be, you know, pretty corporate soon. It's already leading that way of, you know, very large corporate dollars coming in. It's still a male focused industry. So that's, you know, pretty present as well. And just by me showing up and being who I am and having the relationships that I have and and doing my work well and presenting my company well, I think that has just been kind of like 
one of the greatest things that I've experienced in this space. Cool. Um, and what is the intersection that you see with cannabis, uh, the wellness industry, and spirituality? Where do you see all of those intersecting? <sighs> There's so much. There's <laughs> so much. I've only tapped the surface of it. Um, the woman who hired me at Kikoko, her name is Chelsea McCrow. She's a white woman. But she is, I don't know, I would call her an angel. She is incredible. And she is, she was a mentor to me in this space is, is what I consider and what I felt like. But she was one of the first people that I saw who I had an example of a model of what it looked like to, to blend those different um, areas and ways of living together. Um, she just had so much knowledge about the plant and, and the benefits of cannabis, not just like selling it, doing her job, but just like on like how it was grown, where it was grown, what did different cannabinoids do? And, and that led into her. She actually last year had an unfortunate ski accident where she got a concussion and she was off for quite some time. She never came back to the company. She's doing well, but she healed herself with holistic medicine, alternative medicine, uh, because our healthcare system is pretty screwed up. <laughs> and so she found a lot of relief in obviously cannabis and alternatives and has since gone that route of really diving into that work and doing that work. And you know, I say all this to say that um, I've, I've taken a lot from that and just from being in this space, like being in cannabis has opened me up to, okay, there are so many different uses for this plant. How do I incorporate this specific cannabis ratio or product into my wellness routine? And what that looks like right now is I suffer from really bad anxiety. I have CPTSD, which I was diagnosed with last January. And what it feels like is like, God, the universe, <laughs> you know, kind of gave me that, that diagnosis because for a long time, I always felt like it was something wrong with me. Like my mind was too hyperactive, like had these impulses and just all of these different things, this, this heightened level of fear, this hypervigilance. Um, there's a lot of characteristics and symptoms of it, but once I got that diagnosis last year and then obviously COVID hit and then the resurgence of black and brown people being murdered, all of those things, like my anxiety just like went through the roof. Um, and so, you know, I have a plan now. I have not only my therapist, I have my 12 step programs, I have, uh, cannabis as well. And it has deeply helped me with anxiety. You know, I know what to take if I want to get high and have some joy, have a little fun, but I also know what I need to take if I need to get to sleep, if I need to just calm my body, if I need to feel a little bit more grounded, if I want to feel in my body, but also in the mood to be a little bit more playful. Um, there are just so many different ratios in in options and that has led me to being closer to my higher power. Um, I'm really spiritual. I've, I've had to become spiritual because of my recovery and knowing that I'm a person that needs help and the help that I get, I, I have to be willing to ask for it, but there is a power that is much greater than me that is leading my life. 
And how do I lean into that? And how do I continue to be on this journey of searching and, and figuring out what I need to heal from and what I need? And, and cannabis is a part of that. Um, my spirituality has wanted me to, or, you know, kind of forced me to be a little bit more conscious, a lot more conscious of what my wellness routine looks like, what my medicine looks like. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it all blends in together. And I think if, if people are open to it, then, you know, you try out a few things, you see what works for you. Everything isn't for everyone. And that's why what we do is a practice. So, um, and I'm still learning. I'll always probably be learning what works for me some days doesn't work for me the next day. Sometimes I'm too anxious to sit still and meditate. So maybe, you know, that may be a day where I take a little comment from people, <laughs> take one of our events, get in my body a little bit more, and then maybe I need to go outside for a walk. Um, and maybe I need to call someone, you know? So it's, there's just so much intertwining of cannabis wellness and spirituality for me personally. And you're starting to touch on our missed question, right. which is your <laughs> right. spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes. So yeah, how, how has that formed for you? Like, what did you grow up with? Um, how did that shift in, in adulthood into like claiming, you know, what you identified with? I grew up in, I think, a fairly religious household. We weren't super Bible pushers. It's what it, it didn't feel like that. My mother didn't go to church every Sunday. I was raised with my mother, so she didn't go to church every Sunday. But when she did go, I had to go. And uh, I do remember, though, not being able to, like most kids, formulate my own opinions about religion and God. I had a friend in high school, I remember, who went to, I think it's a Pentecostal church. And uh, I really enjoyed this church. I never really left church, but I really like going to this church with this friend. And um, I would take notes in church and <laughs> just like really enjoyed the experience. And my mother, I remember, saw my notebook one day. And I, I mean, I wasn't like drawing or writing about anything horrible. I'm sure I wasn't. But she like flipped out and was like, what are they teaching you? I don't want you to go to this church anymore. Okay. Uh, So that obviously stuck out with me and, you know, I wasn't able to kind of explore outside of that. But as I got older, moved to Los Angeles and tried to kind of implement those same things. Like it felt like I was forcing myself to do something that just wasn't in me. So I was like, I should go to church because that's what I was doing back in Chicago and maybe I'll find, I was also looking for community too. Right. So I, you know, I thought that that would help and, and that would be something that I would stick with, but I realized I don't like going to church, you know, like, so <laughs> I realized, you know what, it is just not for me. I have found uh, a godly, I, I went there a few times back in the day, I actually really loved that, probably because I didn't feel like this churchy church experience, um, so I actually do love that space, but yeah, it was more so, uh, taught to me to kind of just do what I was told, you know, and not to ask any questions. It's like, we go to church, that's what we do, and that's what you're doing. And so after trial and error of trying to implement that in my adult life, I realized that it just wasn't for me. And actually healing from my eating disorder is what, I guess, jump-started my rethinking of what my higher power looked like. Because in most 12-step rooms, you know, to be completely honest, it's, they are spiritual programs, right? The, the whole basis is like, you know, you give up 
thinking that you can control whatever ism that you're trying to control, you know, whether it's addiction from drugs and alcohol, food, sex, you know, whatever it is, um, and that you believe higher power or something bigger than you can help you. And so for me, that really caused me to create a new definition for what my higher power looked like, which evolved. Um, My relationship with God also back in the day was you pray for something that you want and then hopefully you get it. You know, it was just like, I want this thing. I'll pray for it versus it being do I need this? Is this something that you wish for me? Is this something that's right for me? Is this something that I need in my life? Um, My higher power today is like a really good, gentle friend, you know, someone who is far kinder, nicer, and sweeter to me than I can even be to myself some days. So um, it's it's definitely, my relationship with higher power has been a 180. It has evolved so much and it continues to change. Um, but I, I need that that trust in, in something bigger than me because my life just does not operate with thinking that I can control everything because I've seen what that has done to me, thinking that I can control every single thing around me and I am in power and I, I have the power to do all of this and it's just not true for me. I love how you described higher power as a compassionate friend. I think that's a great way for people to approach it especially those who are maybe struggling with how to create this image of higher power in their life. I think that's a beautiful way of doing that. Yeah. It's funny in 12 step rooms, like there's, I mean, because some people are agnostic, some people grew up atheistic, some people have, I was lucky I didn't have deep rooted trauma with experiences with God. So I was, I was much more open and I also didn't think that I knew everything too. So, cause there's also some people who think they know everything and then it's just like, well, has that been working for you? No. Okay. <laughs> um, and so we, we actually, you know, I, what I do and encourage sponsees is I'm like, well, you don't have to, you don't have to believe in anything right now. How about you believe that your higher power is just not you? Let's just start there. How about you? Be, I mean, people have the, have come to terms with figuring out what works for them, for them, excuse me, with so many different ways. Like some people have stuffed animals as, you know, like this is what I'm starting with right now, or just nature, you know? And I, I think if, when if people start to think of it that way, like it doesn't have to look like anything else. It could be whatever you deem beautiful, whatever you deem comforting, wherever you find your joy, wherever you find your peace, that is where you can start with. And you can define it. You know, you can write it down on a piece of paper, like this is what I want in a higher power. And it can be that, you know, you, you, ha- you do have that control and that power to create that, that loving being that you probably wished you had and that you want to have. Hmm. Um, again, I want to jump ahead to asking you about motif because uh, thinking about listening to other people's stories um, in the 12 step program and like everyone's different experiences, um, how that inspired you to move forward with um sharing the stories of women of color, like what, what you kind of shared, what made you decide to start the platform and the podcast, but 
like how since that has happened, how has it impacted your life? And like, what has it taught you um, as you took the call and the dream to, to do it? Yeah, I think the first thing it taught me was that there are just so many amazing women that I want to be friends with, <laughs> which I had known my whole life. Um, they are all incredible in, in their own ways. And it's only got me to thinking, gosh, there are just so many more of us out there that have really compelling, interesting stories that we can all just have in common or, you know, just just really get something from. Um, the other thing is, it's really kind of reflected back the things in my life that I have experienced or that I'm feeling, you know, I think the biggest reason that motif is, is really helpful for others is because we see ourselves in these stories. I see myself in a lot of these women that have shared, you know, about professional stories, relationships, um, experiences through childhood. I feel like I've connected with everyone on the not fitting in, not being enough, <laughs> uh, being teased and bullied as a child. And, um, yeah, I've just really, truly felt seen and felt fulfilled and, and really grateful to be able to just share a glimpse of their stories. I mean, we have one hour conversation, so we can only dig so deep and share so much. But um, yeah, I think the biggest thing has just been really feeling seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's such power in feeling seen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, the idea of like feeling seen, it it makes me think of how like um, you know, there's this common challenge for us as humans of being good listeners. Mm-hmm. But like, if we were all good listeners, then we would all be good at, at like helping others feel seen. Mm-hmm. So if I listen to you, I help you feel seen. If you listen to me, you help me feel seen. So it's like, you know, and then thinking about that tied in with um, like the universe or spirit being like this compassionate friend, mm-hmm. right? It's like, it's the best friend that listens to you. And that relationship works for you best when you're listening to it as well. Um, so that idea of like creating space where these stories are shared and that's like the, the basis for what is what's happening. Mm -hmm. It was really cool. It's like, Um, it's like the two friends that like, if you like, what do they say? Like, if you, if you're a good friend, then you're like able to receive like the other person's emotions, like openly. So it's like mm-hmm. when the universe tells you something maybe isn't in alignment for you or like, isn't going to work out in a certain way. And like when, you know, how sometimes we begin to reject that <laughs> or yeah. like a barrier mm-hmm. comes up, it's like, maybe we have to just allow ourselves to be open to receiving that information. And then how mm-hmm. much more ease would we create? Like, if you think of the universe as like another person that you're speaking to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a great little lesson. (laughs) Continued lesson. Right. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, What have been some of your greatest successes you've seen within your time working at Kikoko as a woman of color and also your greatest successes with Motif with, with both of them? 
with Kikoko, it feels like just surviving the up and downs of the industry. Um, and I don't think that's unique to me as a woman of color. <laughs> I think that's mm. just unique to, to the space. Yeah, it's just really volatile sometimes. And I think a lot of it has leveled off with the different systems that have been put in place, processes and systems in the industry as a whole in California. Um, but yeah, we, Kikoko has, has survived them. <laughs> and that's been really, really great to experience and, you know, see all these challenges happening. And I think being agile actually has been a, a great success for me. So because of my trauma, I can be very rigid in my thinking and my behavior. And so part of my work is going with the flow, letting go, and just being able to be like, okay, this isn't working. This is what we have to do now. And being agile is a requirement in this space. (laughs) Um, If you are net agile, you will not survive because things can change at at any moment. So I think for me personally, it's, it's been a lot of letting go, a lot of letting my guard down, a lot of sitting in who I am. And, and again, I mentioned this earlier, just but really being authentic to who I am. I think that's been a personal success for me. And then with Motif, it has been, you know, the feedback that I've gotten, you know, I I feel fulfilled and I think I will continue to always feel fulfilled in doing this work, but it's been the the stories of hearing other people being like, I needed this today. You didn't know that I needed this, but thank you for this post you just shared. Um, Or thank you for giving me the space to actually share my story. You know, I think I was that interesting, but thank you for sharing. You know, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're great. And um, yeah, really feeling like I am doing work that is, I hate the word helping other people, that sounds really cliche, but adding something to other people's lives. And that was all I wanted to do. I was like, this isn't meant to replace anything. Um, I will never teach, preach, or tell anyone what to do in this space. This is just like the goal is offering something to you that you may not get every day in hopes of it adding value to your life. And that's it. Um, So yeah, so the hope is, and what I've heard is that I've added value to, to people's personal experiences. And that has been really wonderful. Mm-hmm. And what have been some of the challenges with Kikoko and um, with Motif as well? Yeah, I think the challenges with cannabis and Kikoko are just uh, the legalities of it, just the, the our limitations. So I know we talked about it via email a little bit, but um, I work for a brand that's really beautiful and amazing that we are only licensed to sell and distribute in the state of California. And that could change. So I believe we will expand to other states, but it's just not as easy. Like someone, someone is in New Jersey and they want Kikoko, they can't get it, you know? So there are challenges with that, which means that our marketing, you know, it can go far and wide on social media, but only people in California can purchase our products. So, um, you know, I have hopes of legalization federally opening up uh, soon, I was just talking to someone this week, I believe, and I asked her, I was like, do you think it's going to happen in this administration? And they were like, it could. And I was like, oh, no, um, <laughs> don't, don't know. So I think once that happens, so many more doors will open up. So we're just limited. In any state, you know, they are limited to, to producing their products in that state unless they expand to another state, which is costly, right? which is costly and 
a little bit of a gamble. So it has to be done very strategically. Right. Because you'd have to open like an office in each state that you want to operate in and then check with the regulations there and get approved through everything. Exactly. And and depending on the state, you know, for some product you have to, it has to be organically grown there. Like, or, you know, it has to be, it has Mm -hmm. to come from that state. Um, So yeah, I think a lot of people get around that by white labeling products or having partnerships with other companies, but we have very specific products, right? So we would need to find another company or entity in another state that has the capability and the technology to do what we do in our headquarters in California there, right? And so there's been a lot of growth, so I'm sure that's possible. But again, the the expenses and resources that come with that, you know, are, Mm -hmm. are just really really grand. So it's something that we are considering and I'm sure will happen in the future. Mm-hmm. And then with Motif, it has been the two things, the challenge of juggling it all. So working a full-time job and mm-hmm. creating Motif. And the second thing has been the the wanting more sooner than, than it's it's coming to me, <laughs> you know, uh, I feel you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I want all these amazing women on here right now. I want to share all of these stories and I have all these big ideas and, you know, it's just like, well, you don't have the resources for that right now. You don't have the time. And it's also just not time. You know, I only launched less than six months ago and, you know, we've grown quite a bit. Um, have a nice full inbox of people who are actually reaching out. A lot of things are happening, but I am a party of one. I have a consultant who I work with for content. Um, I have someone for engagement. I have a creative, you know, so I have people in a small team that has been really, really helpful and a big part of me being able to grow and flourish this space. But I'm working on patience and the challenge is that I don't want to be patient all the time. I want <laughs> what I want when I want it. And uh, that's just not how life's work, life works. Mm-hmm. So practicing patience and just doing the best that I can one day at a time and uh, being okay with that because I am and, and happy with that actually. Um, yeah. So yeah. So that's, that's been a challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Appreciating the, the journey. Yeah. yeah. The journey. My creative director, when we were pulling the pieces together for like six months before launch, um, I was getting antsy and I'm like, well, when can we launch? And she was like, just enjoy the journey. Like this, this is it. Like, cause once you launch, then it's like, you're out there. So like, this is, this is where like we should be more present and take our time. And I was like, okay, I guess you're right. Um, <laughs> the magic process yep right Mm -hmm. right um so what current projects are you working on that you'd like to share with everybody yes with kikoko um we're always launching new products we just launched a high dose tablet for any high dose users out there uh that's called kikoko x that just launched last monday very exciting we also have a thcv mint i've been raving about so thcv is another cannabinoid like thc cbn cbd thcba um and it's known for its sexy properties of being an appetite depressant, which a lot of people tote. 
but I have also learned that it helps with anxiety as well. So I have a, a ratio that I love in one of our mints of five milligrams CBD to 2.5 THC. And I usually take that for anxiety, but it, it is like, it kind of like really grounds you and, and gets you like, okay, I'm a little, I feel it. I feel it. I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure if I can get through work. I, you know, I may need to sit down. Uh, the THCV is more grounding. It's more subtle. Um, it also has coconut, yuzu, and matcha. So it has like a natural, you know, caffeinated element and THCV paired with THC does help with focus and it's a little uplifting. So it's this balance of feeling grounded, but also feeling like I can still get through a work day and I feel fine. Um, I'm so pretty alert and uh, I just don't have the anxiety. So that's called Boost and that's just been really lovely. I didn't think I would love it as much as I do. So that's a favorite. And with Motif, the biggest exciting thing is we're ramping up our writing program. So podcast has been the primary way that people can share their stories. And now, now that I have time, I have been reaching out to and working with writers who want to share their stories. We had one writer share her story a couple of months ago, and I just hadn't had the time to put the energy and focus behind getting more of those stories out. So um, yeah, working with writers, figuring out what that program looks like, what the sweet spot is, and just really sharing more stories in that avenue, because I'm also a writer. So it's really, really close to home for me. I want to do more of it, encourage others to share their stories that way as well. Cool. All forms of communication. Yes, yes, yes. Someone also gave me an idea the other day. Um, I was like hiring for an intern. Uh, she was interviewing. And she was like, I have some advice for you. I was like, do tell. And <laughs> she said that she recommended us, which may happen, who knows, um, sharing the works of artists, you know, like actual art. Um, and she said that, you know, it's, it's a form of storytelling as well. And I was like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. My partner's an artist. I was like, so I totally understand that. And so she said, I think that there could be some avenue there too. And I was like, that would be interesting. So keeping that top of mind, not sure if that will come to fruition, but looking into that as well. Yeah, especially because your branding for Motif is already so artistic and so mm-hmm. aesthetically like beautiful that, yeah, yeah, that would, that seems like a great addition. Like as yeah. you get to build layers, like you had this vision for how it started and what got to like create the foundation but then from there you get to evolve and grow and yes. so art might end up being a natural calling somebody might reach out and suggest like hey I'd love to share some of my stuff in this you know medium mm-hmm. and can I do that and then it's like oh all the it's so interesting right. like what gets drawn to us mm-hmm. and how much that's like you know a part of that evolving process like, oh, okay I guess I'm ready for this now exactly it reminds me a lot of like um, similar parallels to um, Dion Ivory in a body at home. Like how it's like, there's a section for writing and then there's also video content, but there's also like a visual element to it as well. It seems like you're like slowly just like the branches from your tree are just expanding out into yeah, these different yeah. fields. Yeah. Similar to yeah. that. Yes. I also wanted to leave room for what it could grow into as well. I got asked this question, um, when 
we did the Vanity Fair interview and I was, I wanted to be like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, I like kind of PR'd it. I was like, well, you know, we're figuring it out. We'll see what we organically grow into. But also I, I do want to be a resource too. I do want Motif to be a community that offers resources and I want to do it in-person events once it's safer too. So I have some other things that I feel like would, would be really helpful and really go well with the brand. Um, I'm also, you know, to your point, just trying to see what, what pops up, what comes up, what seems interesting, what people resonate with. I always say and try to say this more and more, like, this is not my space. Like, this is a space for everyone else. So if you want to see something that would be helpful to you in your healing journey or your well-being or your livelihood, then share. You know, we can figure out how to incorporate it into the community um, because I want it to be beneficial for the people that enjoy it and are part of it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Um, where can people find all of your work? Yeah. So, uh, Motif, uh, the website is ourmotif.co. So they can go there to check out all of the, the content, the stories, the written stories that'll be coming up, the podcast episodes, um, the podcast Motif. Motif Podcast is on, I don't know, pretty much every major podcast app. So Apple, Google Play, Spotify, and more. Um, we're on social media at Our Motif as well. And um, yeah, Kikoko, there's a lot of shout outs here. So Kikoko is <laughs> Kikoko underscore HQ. Um, and I can be found on Instagram at uh, underscore I am Shan. So any one of those places, you will likely find me Motif or Kikoko. And all of your different appendages of work. Right. Yes. <laughs> I may start another thing. I don't know. I'm like, what else can I create? This has been great. So why not? Why not? Yes. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for uh, for coming on and, yes. and sharing all of your knowledge and stories with us. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah, you. Thank you so wonderful. much for having me. It was so great to connect with you all. And I hope to see you all in person. I'm 50% vaccinated. Okay. I, w- I want to start. I'm starting. <laughs> I was like, I'm starting next week, so we're okay, all great. there. Okay. Yes, please yes, let's do it. Then it'll be an, an in-person thing next time. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Lovely. Okay. Till next time, y'all. Bye.